Well, today, this first Sunday after Easter, we begin a new worship series. Big God, big vision, big dreams. We're looking at three passages over these next three weeks. Uh, today, Isaiah's vision of God in the temple, a vision he needed to inspire him to lead in very difficult and hard times. Next week, we look at a vision Peter had when he was fasting and praying where he learned how wide the circle of God's grace is. And then on Children's Sunday, we look at the dream where Samuel hears God's call and becomes the great prophet who anoints the, king, uh, the kings of Israel. So we're looking forward to celebrating a big God and big visions and big dreams. We begin with Isaiah chapter 6 today, verses 1 through 8. This vision that Isaiah shares of God. Let's stand together and hear these words of Scripture. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. The thing about big is that big is a matter of perspective, isn't it? How many of us have very vivid, detailed memories of how big a childhood home was or our room or our yard was? And when we go back as adults, we're shocked at how little everything is. Our idea of big has changed with time. When I was a little boy, we had the uh, standard swing set in the side yard as everyone else did in those days. But we had something really cool. We had a really big slide. It was bigger than everybody else's slide. It was as big as the slides at school. So I was very proud of my slide. And it was metal, of course, because we didn't worry about safety or anything like that in those days. And it was one of those big metal slides that had a stainless steel slide. And so on those hot Arkansas summer days in the 100 degrees. You started off at the top 
the back of your legs were rare. By the time you got to the bottom, you were medium well to well done by sliding on that hot metal surface. That slide was one of my favorite things. I can remember going off uh, uh, after I graduated high school, moving away from home, coming back to visit and seeing that slide in the side yard. I remembered it as some 20-foot tall monster. It was little. My perspective had changed. My idea of change, my idea of big, had changed. One of the big treats growing up for us was to go to Little Rock once a year to the State Fair of Arkansas. And uh, one of the things that my father and I always did together from my earliest memories was to go in something they don't even have anymore, and appropriately so, but they used to have things called side shows where they had weird things. And that's one of the only times I ever saw my mother and father have a disagreement. My mother thought no God-fearing Christian would go in a sideshow, and my dad thought it was too much fun to watch my reaction to the things in the sideshow. I was an imaginative kid and kind of a sensitive kid. He was amused at the way I would respond to the different things I saw. This one particular year, they advertised that there was a real live giant in the sideshow. I could not wait to see a giant, and so my father and I went in. Looking back, this guy is probably the average size of a pro athlete now, but in those days, in the 60s, he was a giant. If you had the chair just right and the lighting just right, he looked really, really big. I remember he had a big bushy head of hair and a long bushy beard. He was the real-life inspiration for Hagrid in the Harry Potter series. He sat there in this chair and we all stared up at him. And on every finger he had a ring, a big ring, and you could buy a ring for a dollar. And I remember my father, who was notoriously tight with money, bought me one of those rings and it was handed to me and I could put all four of my fingers into that ring. And I was amazed and my father was amused. And for the rest of the night, all evening long, as we walked through the state fair, I remember thinking, that's how God must look sitting on the throne in heaven. This huge, big God. Like most people in my life, my father kind of held that place in my life. My father was a big guy. He was about 6'1" big strong guy. When he got out of World War II, he went to work at the garage for the city of Little Rock when he was about 22 years old. And for 29 years, he never had a sick day. But when he was 51, he had to have triple bypass surgery and he had to take some time off. That's so my dad. Never sick, never in the hospital. First time, just go for it big, right? He's in the hospital for a while. He comes back and he works, never takes any time off. So when he retires after 42 years working at the garage, he had accrued enough sick days and vacation that he never took. They used to do that in those days. You could just roll those over year to year. That he went a whole year 
on full salary before he ever started drawing his retirement. He was just this big, strong, tough guy. And I always thought he was the biggest person in the world. I was a late bloomer and didn't grow till I was out of college and even out of graduate school. And I remember even when I passed him up in height and size, I still looked at my dad as the biggest man I knew. He could fix anything and build anything, and he wasn't afraid of anything. He was big in every way. Well, when he was about 70, he developed a brain tumor, and it took his life very quickly. And it was interesting to go back. I was living down in the New Orleans area at the time, and I would come back as often as I could to visit my father. And through the treatments, he lost his signature white hair. And each time I visited with him, it seemed to me he had shrunk. And he got smaller and smaller. And at the very end, this man who had been as big as God to me my whole life, I could easily pick up and carry. My perspective on big changed. Our question today, how big is God? Or more specifically, how big is your God? The great uh, evangelist of the 19th century, D.L. Moody, said, If God is your partner, make your plans big. <laughs> if we believe in a big God, we should plan big. And we should dream big, and we should live big, and we should love big. But life has a way of beating us down a little bit, doesn't it? And we easily lose our perspective, and we can forget how big a God we serve. How big a God we worship. How big a God we love. Because that big God first loved us. When we're excited, when we're in love with God, when we're energized by prayer and, and uh, supported by community, we believe God is big, big enough to do anything, big enough to handle anything life brings us. But in other times in our life, we need to be reminded how big our God really is. Our text from Isaiah is Isaiah sharing his vision of this big God. He sees God high and lifted up, high and exalted on a throne in the temple. God is so big that the hem of his robes fill every space in the temple. Solomon's temple was big. It was no doubt the biggest thing most people had ever seen who were hearing these words and reading these words. The details in the scripture tell us that at the highest point of Solomon's temple, it's about 20 stories high. You think about how long ago that was. That is big. And God is so big that God couldn't be contained in this temple they built for God to live in. You get the point of Isaiah's image? God is high and lifted up 
so big even the temple can't contain God. And God is surrounded by these creatures, these angels called seraphs. It's a weird description, isn't it? They've got all kinds of wings and all kinds of eyeballs. And they've got loud voices because all they do is fly around all the time around the throne and call to one another, Holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts. All the earth is full of your glory. And their voices thunder in such a way that the very temple itself shook and trembled before this big God. Can you picture that? I can't. <laughs> Isaiah is pointing us to a God that is beyond our comprehension and beyond our imagination. A God that is big enough to support the people in all the very bad things Isaiah knows is coming down the road very quickly. A God who is big enough not just to sustain them through this time, but to take what's left of them and redeem them and build the holy nation once again. Isaiah is confronted with this big God and has the only appropriate response there is. Woe is me. <laughs> Woe is when we realize how big God is, we start to understand who we are. And the difference between God and us. Woe is me, Isaiah says. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Isaiah saw himself for who he really was once he saw God for who God really is. And then a beautiful thing happened. One of those crazy wing eyeball covered angels flies to the altar and picks up a coal and touches it to his lips and says, your sin is forgiven. You are free. Wow. Isaiah is so overwhelmed with the bigness of this God and the big grace of this God that when God says, who will go for us and who shall we send? Isaiah has the only appropriate response then. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Even into the bad things in the bad world of his day, Isaiah says, God is big enough. Send me. A powerful moment in his life. That's how big Isaiah's God was. How big is your God? How big is my God? God is still big enough to know each one of us just like God knew Isaiah. God is still big enough to forgive each one of us just as God forgave Isaiah. God is big enough to put each one of us to work in service to the kingdom of God just as God did with Isaiah. That is a big God, isn't it? Big enough to love all of creation. Big enough 
to forgive all sin, big enough to call each of us, and big enough that there is not anything we could ever do that would exhaust God's grace toward us. What a wonderfully big God. We stand in a different place than Isaiah. He's standing around in the 700s BCE, and we stand here on this side of Easter. And we know that God is even bigger than Isaiah could have imagined. That God was big enough to become small. To become a man named Jesus. To walk this same earth and to live this same life. That God was big enough to give God's self for us that we might know forgiveness. We know better than Isaiah knew that God is so big that God could still roll a stone away from the mouth of the tomb. Not so Jesus could get out, but so we could look in. So that we would know how big God is. Big enough to conquer even death. Big enough to bring life out of a tomb. That's how big God is. God is big enough. Big enough for whatever need you have. Big enough for whatever pain you experience. Big enough for whatever sin is in your life, God is big enough. So dream big and live big and love big. Open your heart, as inappropriate as the grammar is, open your heart big and let God in. We serve. We worship, we love a big, big God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.